With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Akin, joined today by my friend and Sports Illustrated colleague, senior writer and author i'm sorry i'm sorry new york times best-selling author of the book blood in the garden chris herring chris how's it going i'm good buddy how are you i'm good you know it's a it's like a frigid 49 degrees in los angeles like it, that's uh to me that's cold now uh, i mean in all honesty, that's fair. That's cold for where y'all are at. It's still early in the day there, so I, I would hope and trust that um, y'all y'all have less overcast weather than we do in Chicago. So um, maybe it'll get a little bit warmer there. I'm looking out my window, and uh, my girlfriend is going to come into town later tonight, and she sent me like a depressed face, a depressed emoji, because she was like, "Really, the weekend I come out there, you guys have this," and it essentially had like snow flurries in the forecast. Um, and I looked at her and I kind of responded back like, you, you're not allowed to be mad at that. Like, first of all, the low this weekend is 36, which means it theoretically can't snow if it doesn't get colder <laughs> than that. That's not freezing. So, you know, if we have if sleet is the worst thing we have this weekend, like it's it is getting to be mid-December now, you know, so it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. Be grateful. <laughs> you tried to defend sleet. <laughs> that was your... I guess that is ultimately what I was doing, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, like, I'm hey, at this point, we've had some snow here in Chicago. It hasn't been, we haven't had, like, real, real snow where three days later it's still on the ground because of how heavy it was, but, um, you know, it, I, I feel like at this point when you get to December, you can't really be surprised by anything you see in Chicago, but I will, just to your original point, 49 in Los Angeles at any time of day, any time of year is... Uh, <laughs> Is reason to, to be able to complain and fair reason it's, to be able to it's complain. It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, Chris, few things I want to get to on today's show, including an email I think I'm going to surprise you with that I just remembered that I can surprise right. you with. So uh, please keep your emails coming, openfloormail at gmail.com. I want to start with a piece I wrote for Sports Illustrated this week. Rudy Gobert returns to Utah tonight. We're recording this on a Friday morning. His first game back in Utah since being traded from the Jazz this summer. Um, I wrote a little bit about kind of the three big offseason trades that happened this summer. We had Gobert going to the Jazz, Mitchell going to the Cavs, DeJounte Murray going to the Hawks. 
And there were obviously some other impactful moves in the summer that we mentioned briefly in the story. Jeremy Grant, obviously, Malcolm Brogdon on the supercharged Celtics. But I wanted to talk about these three trades, Chris, because usually when you have teams kind of making that trade for an all-star, it's kind of throwing the gas on the fire move. And so far, we've really kind of seen it only work out for one team so far. Um, But let's kind of maybe take these one by one. Let's start with the Hawks a little bit. I know we talked about them earlier this week just in terms of kind of this Trey Young situation. But let's start here. What was your initial reaction to the Hawks acquiring DeJounte Murray? Because I know in our group chat – there was quite a bit of <laughs> discussion about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once again, you were above the fray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> letting, letting myself and Pina duke it out. So tell me, what was kind of your initial reaction to that move? Um, To be honest with you, I'm, if I'm remembering exactly what I thought correctly, um, it felt like a lot to like an, pretty much an all in move on something where you felt like it made them better, but it wasn't clear if it made them so much better to where it made that much sense to go all the way in. Um, I, it, it was also a weird, I mean, in light of, because that, that deal happened first, I think, before the Gobert deal. Mm-hmm. So it was also one of those things where it was like, man, if you had to give up a lot of things to get someone, wouldn't you rather do it with him than to do it with Gobert? And like mm-hmm. a guard-oriented league, somebody that obviously is a really good defender, that can get his own shot. Um, and, you know, so it was interesting from that standpoint too, but it, it, it just felt like a lot for Atlanta to give up uh, a, a team that had spent so much uh, two years earlier, mm-hmm. right before they made their, you know, that playoff push and made it to the conference finals kind of unexpectedly. Um, but it, you know, it, it was a big question of like, okay, you're taking Trey off the ball now. You're getting the ball to somebody else who's a really good player, but it it just felt like it wasn't going to solve everything. It could Mm -hmm. make them a lot better, but it wasn't ever going to solve everything. And the reality now is that, you know, you could look at Trey Young and his struggles this year and wonder how much of it is because of that. I actually don't think it's a function of that, but I think, um, I, I, I just think that it, it, it was putting a little bit it was there was too much dip on their chip with this trade yeah. uh there there was a little bit too much that you had to give up for something that it wasn't clear um just like with the minnesota trade it wasn't clear if it made you so much better that it was worth kind of giving up the farm for and they did essentially give up the farm here it's it's also tough because on one hand i like when teams make this kind of trade sure I like that the hawks are trying to win are trying to get better are trying to acquire all-star talent recognizing that if they need to get a talent like DeJounte Murray, it's not something you can do easily via free agency. The problem is you mentioned, it's like you acquire a guy who plays the same position as your best player. And they both really need the ball in their hands to be effective. And you mentioned Trey struggles. I do think, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say, I've, you know, I did a deep film dive on this specific thing, but I'm with you from what I've seen from the Hawks. It's not like I think, Trey's shooting numbers are down because he's playing with DeJounte Murray. I, you know, he, his shot profile is a little bit different this year. The, the kind of non-rim twos are up. But that wouldn't explain why he's shooting a career worse from three. Um, it, it doesn't explain why 
John Collins somehow his shot has disappeared and he's become you know absolutely created from three. Um, I think the Bogdanovich injury has hurt them because they need another mm-hmm. shooter. And he's finally recently back in the lineup. Now, of course, DeJounte Murray himself is hurt. I thought this was interesting because when this is NBA.com's lineup data, it's interesting because, you know, I know a lot of people in the media use like playbyplaystats.com and they have a different net rating. But this is NBA.com's lineup data. They say Trey and DeJounte have a 4.7 net rating in 563 minutes together, which is pretty good. Again, you know, that relative to like star duos, it's not great. You want your two best players to, in fact, have a higher one, but that's not bad. But I think what's crazy is when one of them is off the floor and one of them is running the offense, it it craters. Um, They're they're playing really poorly uh, in those scenarios. So... uh, that's that was surprising to me because another reason why you make a move like this is you know you want to stagger your stars you hope that they mm-hmm. can carry lineups that in fact has worked out really well in Cleveland which we'll get to in a minute. Um, can can we talk about that for a second though? Because yeah, of course, I, I know we'll get to that, and, and so not to you know dive too much into it now, but I think the difference with them, uh, meaning the, the Hawks, and with Cleveland, is that Cleveland I think has the potential to almost become better when you take one of their stars mm. off the floor, at least their guards, because they kind of have, they they share kind of the same strengths and the same deficiencies to some extent. Um, so if you have two guys out there that defensively might kind of make you really weak in the backcourt, taking one of them off the court might help you, especially with the guys you've got behind them. Um uh, in Atlanta, when Trey is out there by himself, particularly without Bogdanovich, you know, just recently having gotten him back, um, it's already a struggle to have to, like, DeJounte Murray is maybe someone that can help him defensively. You pull him off the court, that hurts him. And Trey's yeah. got to make up for it even more. But, all oh, there, there again, you've got Trey shooting more poorly than he really ever has. Right. So I, there's just really no no one to the rescue in that situation. Whereas with the Cavs, you do have that. And I think to some extent too, um, the Timberwolves are kind of in a weird spot from that scenario yeah. as well. Um, so I, I actually think that is kind of the commonality, but you know, for the Cavs, why they have thrived in some ways is that I think they're set up better to have success when mm. one of those two guards is off the court. Let me wrap up the Hawks by saying this last year, first round exit. Uh, if I had to put you on the spot right now, like, are you confident they can make it further than they made it last year? No, no, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I look, Trey will shoot better at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. Uh, Colin, like Collins almost has to, it, it, uh, it makes no healthy. sense. I mean, he's missing the looks that he's gotten his entire career. Yeah. So, I mean, he'll be better at some point if they keep him. I mean, that's a, a, a different yeah. conversation. Uh, you would hope that Bogdanovich will be healthy now that he's back. Um, uh, you know, Hunter, it's, it, it's gotten weird with Hunter. It's like at, at some point you just kind of, um, whether I'll be healthy or not, whether he'll be I'll solid leave, or not, I'll never leave Deandre Hunter Island. I'll go down with the, with the natural disaster. <laughs> going to be one of the violin players on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I, I mean, but I, I, I tend to want to be that way too. Um, but I, I think my bigger thing is just like, at this point, I don't necessarily expect all of them to put it together at once. Not to even mention Murray. Um, they have enough talent to get it done. They certainly could get it done. Um, I just don't know that I'm more confident that they will get it done than I 
am, you know, pessimistic about that. I don't know that it's a great fit between Trey and um, DeJounte. And I think to, to that point, I don't think if they're so good that like I would pencil them in for the second round is all I'm saying. And, and obviously the start of the season, unless you feel like this is all of this has been a really bad regression and that they're going to progress to something. I don't see reason to think that they're going to for mm-hmm. sure be in the second round. What what would you say to that? Your question. I have a hard time believing it. Now, once again, the standings are still completely in flux here. Sure. Um, which I want to talk about in a minute, actually, when we get to the Wolves. But let's say Atlanta right now, they're currently fifth in the East, but there's a huge bunch up basically from four to ten in the East. I mean, four to ten is separated by two games. You know, we talked about the Heat struggles. They're in tenth right now. They're two games out of the four seed behind Brooklyn. Um, you know, all these teams are kind of one run away. But I think Brooklyn has looked better generally the last Absolutely. few weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, and I think Simmons before he got hurt was starting to play better as well. You know, I think Indiana will fall off. I think Toronto's dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Mm-hmm. Do I, I? I might like Toronto more than Atlanta, frankly. So. I don't see it, and I I don't know if that's me being self serving because I I wasn't just a I wasn't a huge fan of the fit of this trade. I didn't like them dumping Herder, and I'm just not getting good vibes from Trey Young. Yeah, but I have a hard time believing them getting out of the first round. <laughs> and speaking of a team, I have a hard time believing getting out of the first round. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh. <laughs> um, the Wolves. <laughs> the Wolves are currently. That was 11. such a good segue. Thank I you. Want thank to you. Applaud. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you, my man. <laughs> it's the Timberwolves are currently eleventh in the West, but this is a little misleading. They are eleventh, but f- literally only four games out of first, three and a half games out of second, two and a half How out of weird. fourth. It's weird. This is the the current top four. No, 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 no. This is the current top six in the NBA's Western Conference. In order, one to six, the Pelicans, Suns, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Kings, Jazz. Kings. <laughs> Everything else. Well, no, I guess after all the trades the Jazz made, the Jazz make no sense either. But that that's the, the Kings being in the top six in any Memphis, point, even after the second day of the yeah. season is noteworthy. But anyway, go ahead. Memphis is third, and they haven't had a minute of Bain, Ja, and JJJ playing together this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It makes no sense. Golden State's 10. They're still hovering at 500, even though they've been better recently. They now lost two in a row. They rest guys still. Uh, the Clippers just lost again. They set Kawhi on the second night of a back-to-back. Portland's back up. The Mavs are back. Like, a week ago, it was like, a Mavs, huh? And then they won three in a row. <laughs> right. Um, It's just, uh, <laughs> it makes no sense. But the Wolves are 12 and 12. Uh, Carl Towns is hurt right now. He's... um scheduled to miss some time but i wanted to um pull up a stat here about the wolves in the minutes that gobert anthony edwards and carl towns have played together 374 minutes 0.8 net rating they've been really good defensively with towns edwards and gobert on the floor but it's terrible offensively that to me is a is a huge sign of concern because I mentioned like your best players. It's one thing if your team is not playing well, maybe your bench is terrible. Um, that your best players should have a good net rating together, like that holds. Like even the bad teams, like remember last year the Magic, 
were bad, but like their starting five their was starting one of five the best. Was great. Yeah, yeah, like, um, you know, they already we've already had Anthony Edwards saying I play better when the lineups are smaller. We had Austin Rivers being like, if we're playing two bigs, they need to dominate. We had Draymond Green just kind of straight up laughing at Rudy Gobert um, the other night. I. I, I they're 15th in defense. I mean, they're good when Gobert is on the floor. So it's hard to put the blame on him. But when you think about how good those Jazz teams were defensively, it's weird that the Timberwolves aren't ultimately higher in the efficiency rankings. I I, I don't want to say disaster because this has been a weird season and it's still so early. and It's not looking good, man. Like, I, there's a part of me that wants to play devil's advocate only slightly mm. here in, in the case of Minnesota and I think even the one we were talking about before with Atlanta, maybe this is a good reset for these teams in the sense that, okay, um, if obviously Trey was kind of more used to being the guy and not having to give up the ball as much and, you know, he's obviously not a guy that plays much off the ball really at all. Um, for years there have been the comparisons, you know, the the, the false comparisons – between he and Steph and it's like okay Steph moves off the ball better than anybody ever and you know forces more movement defensively than anybody ever and then you have Trey Mm -hmm. who granted like Dame can pull up from 40 but is not gonna really skewer you um you know by running around and relocating and all that stuff so maybe Trey in some ways can really get back on track because DeJounte is not there Again, I told you about the concerns defensively. Um, Likewise here with the Timberwolves, maybe there's something to be said for the fact that maybe they can just dominate defensively now. Um, The the defense has not really been their problem. They have not been nearly as good as people thought they could be with Gobert. You know, I don't think it's just a just add water sort of thing with Gobert that you just plug him in Mm. and you have a top 10 defense. People said that for years. Um he was generally not playing with other bigs when throughout that run, especially the last few years, they were just kind of plugging in a lot of three point shooters um, and wings with him in Utah. So him having to play alongside another big, um, they were okay defensively and obviously good enough to be 15th, um, you know, overall, even with that kind of awkward fit sometimes, but they, you know, they, they had lapses defensively where towns it's unclear which guy's supposed to go out and get, um, a shooter at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to close out? Um, which priority is kind of Gobert handling defensively? They've been okay. They've been good, but not great defensively in those minutes. So maybe this gives them a chance to be great now defensively. The flip side, obviously, is that you're losing a guy that can go off for 30 on any given night. Um, and so, but still, maybe it simplifies certain tasks for for Gobert now to not have Towns out there. Maybe it gives Edwards a little bit more of a traditional sort of lineup and not having to play with two bigs because he likes playing with smaller groups. He's been good with their bench pretty much all year long. That's kind of been their saving grace here. So there is a part of me that's wondering, does this allow for a little bit of a reset, a a chance to get back on track with these teams that changed really drastically? I would say more drastically than just about anybody aside from maybe Cleveland with the, with the acquisition of really one guy, um, whether it be uh, DeJounte Murray or, in this case, Rudy Gobert. So I, I, I think that there's some hope. But even if they do kind of thrive in those moments without key players, it, like you said, at some point you've got to be really good with yeah. your top guys together. So it, it might be a, a 
you know, a chance to kind of have a feel good week and a half, two weeks, three weeks. In the case of the Timberwolves, maybe four weeks. Um, but they're going to have to be consistent at some point with their star guys all playing together, you would think. Yeah, in some ways I'd be more worried if they played really well without Towns because now you're left with the how do we reintegrate him into sure. the lineup now we've found success. I just keep thinking about – I mean, we saw it a little bit in the Warriors game, but like think about the team that was in the finals last year, the team that's been the best in the league so far this year, the Celtics. Right. Like if the Celtics are playing white, smart, Tatum, Brown, and Horford, who is Carl Towns guarding? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could put him on Horford, but Horford's going to run him through a ton of screens, a ton of off-ball actions. Um, you know, you're going to Towns is going to have to be making reads on help and things like that. But then does that mean Gobert is guarding Jalen Brown, <laughs> Jason Tatum? Like, I know not every team is the Celtics. <laughs> Obviously, they're a special case, particularly this year. But that's just a problem they kind of run in time and time again is teams feel confident playing, like you said, wings instead of bigs at the four position now. And Gobert is just not going to punish them inside like he's not gonna be able to take advantage of that mismatch um especially when towns is also on the floor yeah it's it's crazy because i mean you think about they won the plane last year they're in this heated uh first round series with the grizzlies i i kind of feel like they've taken a step back man like i mean i know right now they're outside looking no i agree with you i i would agree with that it's hard not to i mean where what would you point to now you've got an offense that doesn't work when you've got your star guys yeah. in and a defense that's okay. Yeah. Um, that was way, you know, if this was all they were going to be, let's say they make it in, let's say they make it in as a six where they avoid the plan. If this is all they were ultimately going to be, isn't that where they, they finished? I, they had their plan last year. And then obviously, yeah. you know, Pat Bev jumped on the scores table. <laughs> I mean, if you move up a spot or two, that's not good enough. If you move up three spots, but have like no realistic chance to win your series or get to the second round, that's not good enough um, yeah. for, for everything you gave up here. We can talk about the picks and obviously that was really painful. I'm sure for Minnesota oh to part with, <laughs> yep. but the, but they gave up a lot of talent too. And we're obviously the flip side of this is that we're looking at, <laughs> we're looking at the team that they traded with who we thought was going to be a bottom two, bottom three team and the you know the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, and they're you know they're in playoff position right now because they traded so much veteran talent to get Gobert. So, um, you know, I I do think, like I said, it's it's a good opportunity for a slight reset here. Um, if you look at Gobert's offensive numbers, basically since Towns was out, um, he's the guy shooting basically eighty percent, getting closer to mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the last game, twelve shots. He's getting closer to nine, ten shots a game now in some situations now without you know, him. Really nice game against the Pacers the other night. Right. Uh, on Wednesday night. That was a fun game. He comes up with a big block at the end of the game. I, I, I believe he had a big scoring night as well. Um, he dropped, let me just check. Yeah, 16, 16 points. 16. Of, yeah. 16, 16 and 21, 21 boards. Yeah. But he, he was good uh, but, in that game. But, you know, I think about some of the struggles with towns offensively and i've watched i remember watching that ridiculous ridiculous game where i want to say miami had seven guys um, (laughs) in minnesota and towns i'm sorry not towns gobert didn't take any shots at all which i understand the idea that like okay and an offense that has d'angelo russell anthony edwards carl towns no i don't expect gobert to be taking 10 12 15 shots a game 
I also don't expect him to be, you know, playing a game and taking no shots in more than 30 minutes of playing time. It was kind of ridiculous, and it's just kind of – I know he has a role. I know he's a great screener. I know all the stuff he does. I know how good a defender he is. But he, you can't have guys playing 30 minutes and not shooting. Yeah. Um, it, it just can't be the case. In a playoff series, teams will find a way, a, enough yeah. of a way to ignore him to where it's like, again, you can't give up that many picks for yeah. someone it, and veteran talent to have someone that's not going to take any shots. It's too much offensive responsibility for everybody else if he's not going to shoot. So maybe this gives him a chance to get into a rhythm offensively in a way that we haven't seen um, to provide more of a threat. But, but like you said, even if he does that, and even if they thrive here with Towns out, what does that mean? Right. Um, so, I mean, there's a part of me that has been thinking, and it, you know, it won't happen this year, but like, um, even if they're not losing, if they're only winning only so much and they really don't look that good and their stars don't play together well, which I think is the biggest concern here, um, how soon do you start thinking about getting off this deal? Yeah, which that's <laughs> wow. a that's maybe a like a little bit of a Chris unplugged take, but like if 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 you're a total 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 failure, and then have to get off of Gobert, like what are we talking about? Like then teams start to kind of pounce and aren't going to give you anything for them. So I mean I don't know. It, it, like I said, it, you probably wouldn't get that much for him now right now anyway. But it, it just kind of feels like a what are we doing? It just feels like the wheels are just kind of turning yeah. uh, in place. Two things, two things. The first thing I thought of when you said Chris unplugged was you like, in you know, like there's anytime someone shares a photo of Kurt Cobain, it's like he's sitting on the thing with the guitar and he's got the long <laughs> hair. I just imagined you with the Kurt Cobain hair in a flannel. Oh boy. You know? Oh boy. Yeah. That, and that, number, yeah. Number <laughs> two. Continue. Number two, if you're ready for like Roe Baby's second nuclear take of the week, um, at what point do they look at moving Carl Towns and building around Anthony Edwards? Um, wow. I just well, not, well, if Cat is going to sit there and, and and criticize his diet, yeah, um, then, then if, maybe very soon. Yeah. But <laughs> if but there's yeah, a, yeah. if there's more a, for him, could you imagine? Like it's like if in our if like I as your coworker criticized your diet, <laughs> how funny that would be! Um, I know it's not the same. I know it's not the but, same. It's but just amplify funny to think it, about. amplify it along with the idea that we, you know, would be making thirty, forty million a year, or could yeah. be very soon, yeah. like Anthony Edwards. It just like look, it it's not the end of the world, and these guys are young enough to kind of just you know, if you have a winning streak, you can essentially forget mm-hmm. about what Carl right. Town said. Absolutely, but still. Uh, it just like we, we, as most of us have been saying, the vibes don't seem great. Yes, and yes. um, and you could make the argument that I, while I don't think Towns wants them to lose with him out, um, that the vibes could actually get slightly worse in some yes. ways if they because it allows us. I also remember the first game that Towns missed was the first game of the season in which the Timberwolves gave up less than a hundred points, mm. fewer than a hundred points. So it's kind of like okay, there's a potential coincidence there. Um. Stuff happens, weird stuff happens, fine. But still, it it's just kind of a just kind of a weird vibe there. And it, it I, I don't think it's too soon to be a little bit concerned. I also don't think it's too soon to have the question of like how how not good does this have to be for them to look to move somebody? And and I would imagine that there would be another move that would happen before this. Like 
we've talked about for a while the idea of like D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, it's gotten a little bit better since a really, really, really frigid start to the season, mm-hmm. but also just doesn't really seem like the greatest fit there. Um, they had Tyus Jones, and it's like it's it's incredible oh, to oh see how God. good he's been. He's the best, you know, the best backup in the league. And I I'd think that that's have... a big part of the reason why Memphis has been so good when Ja doesn't play. <laughs> and Tyus probably makes more sense on that team than someone like D'Angelo Russell. Absolutely. And, and just for a lot of reasons. But I'll just put it on it by saying this it's not like i think that they need to move towns it'll make them better or that i think anthony edwards is a flight risk he's obviously going to sign his rookie extension no one's going to give that up but if i were in their front office i would be doing everything in my power to make sure i'm keeping anthony edwards happy um and it's kind of crazy to think that tim Connolly comes from denver where they beat up on utah in that playoff series and trade for gobert there's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's move to the calves real quick. Chris, um, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been borderline MVP candidate. Like he'll probably pick up a couple votes, uh, 29 points a game. His efficiency has been incredible off the charts. Um, I, I think he's, I, I think I, let me see if I can find it in, in the article, but he is so close to a 50, 40, 90 season, which someone mm-hmm. on the, the, volume that he's shooting at is that's absurd 49.6 percent from the field 42.4 percent from three 89 percent from the free throw line um uh he's been incredible everything they could have asked for they've been decent um with in mitchell and garland minutes in garland mobley Jarrett allen mitchell minutes they only have a 1.2 net rating i do think part of that is they're really struggling to find the right fifth person the that those four with dean wade have been fantastic for example but i don't think dean wade is necessarily like a long-term solution so what i really like about the Cavs is mitchell's been playing well they can survive minutes when garland or mitchell is off the floor which they could not do last year that that's made a huge difference for them and Beyond that, I think that they have the ability to make a trade to go find that fifth person. I think like they just they're one 
three and D guy away from unlocking that starting line. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, I mean, even granted, the playoffs are different than regular season. Mm-hmm. There are times where I look at them now and I'm like, I don't even know if they're that person away anymore. Certainly, you know, mm-hmm. to, to win a round, I think they could do that. And and that's not something that you could take for granted when you haven't made the playoffs and as long as this franchise has gone without making them without LeBron. Um, but you know, there there's a part of me, there's a slight part of me that wonders, could they get by? in a playoff series or even two maybe without going to get like the quote unquote three and D guy. Mm-hmm. If they use Mobley as, as that guy, mm. you know, he's obviously versatile enough to do it. Um, you know, we've all heard the comparisons and we've all written about the comparisons with, you know, uh, Bickerstaff has made to Kevin Garnett and the schemes that they use that kind of um, draw from some of the stuff that Bickerstaff uh, saw when, when Garnett was there in Minnesota, uh, Kevin Garnett could have guarded small forwards in his yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, Evan Mobley can certainly do that and still make life mm-hmm. hell for, for guys that would project to be, you know, wings and certainly be the best defender out there to do it with who they have. Um, so I do think that I am kind of more convinced of that. I mean, it's it's hard not to watch the guy sometimes and just be in awe. The eight block game that he had against Detroit yeah. um, with no fouls uh, is, is like remarkable. I know it's Detroit. I know Detroit is not good, but eight blocks with no fouls, uh, the way he moves his feet. Um, and to get back to what I was saying before about why I think Cleveland has been able to make it work and not Atlanta, not Minnesota, with the staggering. Um, staggering can hurt you sometimes. Like it offensively, staggering generally is a is a, a boost for you if you've got a couple of star players mm-hmm. out there together, particularly if they play the same position or something close to that. Um but think about the way Cleveland is able to stagger. They're mm-hmm. able to stagger their guards if they want yeah, to, their who bigs. do not defend all that well. Yep. They can stagger their bigs. They can play both bigs together yeah. with one of their smalls. So true. It's, a, it's just kind of a wrecking ball of a mm-hmm. team that, like you said, has that one hole. And quite frankly, even with that, you know, Karis LeVert is, is maybe He's not had like some my good favorite. Nights. Right. He's not my favorite archetype there necessarily. Like, I think he had a 41 point game and then had like, you know, Bro, nothing was, or four the next he, night. He, he could was be really cooking the Celtics a couple of times, man. That was funny. <laughs> right. And which is why I think that yeah. I think they beat the Celtics both times, if yeah. I remember correctly. So, I mean, there, there's that aspect of it. So, like, you could do worse there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you would prefer to have someone that could be more of a defensive stopper, mm-hmm. but they're the best defense in the league statistically. Yeah. So, th- there's that. They've been fine when Dean Wade plugs that hole. He's now out now, I think. And, you know, Lamar Stevens has been fine um, as as a four for them. Um, So uh, they they have – they're going to get Ricky Rubio back relatively soon. So they're going to have even more, um, you know, order to be able to play two point guards at a time no matter who's out there or two two lead guards at a time or two, you know, floor generals at a time if they really want to. It's a really, really good team, and I don't think they're going anywhere. You know, whether it's the the three that they finish in or the four, who knows? Maybe the Bucks have an injury, and and Cleveland becomes a two seed. Um, but they're going to be around, and I really don't worry quite as much. Maybe again, maybe in a playoff series, but I think that having Mobley out there and kind of a Swiss Army knife of a guy out there, and all the the luxuries they have from a staggering standpoint. Um, both big and small, that it's just a team that, you know, if Mitchell, I, I imagine he's going to come back down to earth a little bit. 
his numbers are for him are, are just forty two point four percent from three is uh, on the volume. It's it's, it's going to come down some. Yeah, because honestly, that was one of my questions for Cleveland was like, do they have quite enough shooting mm-hmm. to be an elite elite offense? And if he's going to shoot anywhere near forty percent, the answer is a, a very uh, like clear yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was closer to like his kind of career thirty five maybe a touch over 36. Um, you know, I think they could be okay. But if he's going to shoot anywhere near 40, they have the the potential to be an elite team. And that's kind of what we've seen so far. Um, it's incredible how, you know, basically making one more shot for every 20 or so you take, which is essentially where he is field goal percentage-wise, um, how big a difference that makes for somebody like mm-hmm. him. But it's a big difference. And uh, yeah. You know, especially when you put him in a defense that has not only taken, you know, has not only not taken a step back from what he had in Utah, but again, the top of the league so far defensively, you you take that and you put Mitchell into that group with another all-star level point guard who's young. And like, I'm not quite sure what to think of them for the rest of the season as far as like, are they a clear-cut contender? Do, do they have a good chance of winning a championship? But you have to feel great about it. Like yeah. all the questions we have about Minnesota, it's the opposite. Like Cleveland's futures mm-hmm. have to be off the charts for next year, or the year after. Yeah. If not I, this year. I think they're in fantastic position. They're third in net rating right now. They're one of the few teams in the league, top 10 in both offense and defense. I mean, they're just by the skin of their teeth, number 10 um, in offense. They're number one in defense. They've overtaken the Milwaukee Bucks by a healthy margin. Um, by the way, we're, I think I, I didn't bring up this team. I think we're going to have to do a deep dive on them next week. The Pelicans have just charged up out of nowhere. They're first in the West, second in net rating. You know that the, again, this has just been such a weird season. The Dallas Mavericks, who a week ago we were like, uh, they're sixth in net rating. Their defense is 11th and their offense is seventh. Like, there are some teams now. I think Boston has the profile, obviously, of a championship team. You could argue Phoenix does. You could argue the the Cavs do. Memphis, certainly. Like Now we're starting to see the teams that are top 10 in both offense and defense, and it's, it's a pretty surprising list, um, to be honest. But Cleveland's defense, it's funny that you mentioned Mobley because you brought up how Kevin Garnett could guard small forwards in his day. I think they – I wish they – made Mobley a perimeter stopper more often than they did. I, I don't think that it, they've made that his kind of role just yet. It's not like Spurs Kawhi where it was like, we're bringing you in to guard the other team's best guy. And sure. that's it. Um, you know, obviously so much of his value, you mentioned the eight blocks against Detroit. So much of his value is what he can do as a help defender off the ball, um, you know, kind of roaming around, getting into the paint. But I do wonder when they try to get him some more, considerate reps like i remember when they did that play-in game against brooklyn last year yeah it's not like it was like hey mobley go guard kd and i think that he has the physical tools to be that guy certainly um it just hasn't happened yet but i mean yeah man third and net rating a really good defense i think their offense has room to grow especially if they can find another solid shooter like it's gonna be (sighs) tough because they're gonna i think it's going to be almost impossible for them to escape a second round series with Milwaukee. And it's hard to imagine them knocking off Milwaukee the first year of this experiment. But Hey, I mean, we saw them, they lost Middleton last year. We've seen Giannis sprain his ankle before in the playoffs, but they're good, man. 
You know, I'm I'm gonna try to look it up while we're talking mm-hmm. about them. I know we're we're probably about done with that conversation, but they were also really, really, really good last year in terms like this time last year. I'm nearly certain. What are we at now? December 9th when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So let's go to December 8th of 20 uh 2021. Well, they were they fantastic. had the best they had the best net rating in the East for yes. most of last season too. So it's really not I mean, they part of the reason would have won we 50 games think, last year. Jared Allen not got hurt. Right. So here I'm looking at it. You know, we're looking at basically exactly a year ago uh, last year. So they didn't have the best net rating um, at that point, but they were at 3.2. And I guarantee you that later they, they were later in the season. They did have the best one. Let me mm-hmm. let me try to scale it a little bit differently. And we'll look at like January 15th of 2022. So like almost at the all-star break. Um, This is how podcasting gets done. People. This is it. We got people. This is, this is what this is right now from Chris Herring. What I love to see. This is, we're just excited about this team, man. Like this is, yeah. you know, So I pulled, I I pulled it up. So they had the best net rating in the East last year. uh, It, Almost a five and a half net rating. Yeah. Um, the only teams that were better than them this time last year, not this time last year, January 15th of last year, were Golden State, who was at 8.7, which mm-hmm. would be an omen of, you know, thing sign of things to come. Uh-huh. Utah, which was on the cusp of falling apart, <laughs> at 7.6. And Phoenix, who obviously yeah. ran away yeah. with the, you know, with the standings where they were almost 10 games better than everyone else. Cleveland was right b- behind those teams. They were in front of Miami, yeah. who would later become the one seed. They were in front of the Bucks. They were in front mm-hmm. of Memphis. They were in front of Dallas. All teams that I think finished with top 10 net rating. Yeah. So they were right there until they started to run into injuries. And, you know, I think Mobley hit a little bit of a rookie wall um, at one point last season. But they, I mean, they were right there. And then they added Donovan Mitchell. Yes, they lost Lowry Markinen, who obviously mm-hmm. deserves to be and uh, most improved conversations and stuff like that. But the, the the core of the team is still the same, and you added Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it, it shouldn't be stunning that they're good in net rating because they were last year. And again, I think of the teams that made these huge shifts last year uh, or, or during the offseason as far as an acquisition was concerned because they brought in a star, they made the most sense in terms of fit in terms of mm-hmm. which team made the most sense for them to truly go for it, to push all their chips in. Cleveland was that team because there was a, a role that Donovan Mitchell could fill right away, and you had the guys to kind of make up for his deficiencies right away. Um, so it's not stunning. you know. I, I think it's more a question of like how soon is too soon. It's hard for teams that have never played together. Um, you know, I guess early Mitchell hasn't played with them to make that jump all at once to where they're winning playoff series. We didn't see it with Memphis. Although they did win the play in and beat Golden State, like we didn't see them win a playoff series right away. Um, it's rare to see teams make that jump right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if, if they're a two or a three seed, they should be in position to win their playoff series. Um, yeah. It would be a little bit of a taller task to try to win two because of what you were just saying about how, you know, a second round would just be a bloodbath with them and whoever else, mm-hmm. especially if it's a team like Milwaukee that is really experienced. But, um, they should be around. There's really no yeah. reason they shouldn't be unless they have a couple of really bad injuries or something like that. All I'll say is I was laughed at, harangued, ostracized by certain former friends of this podcast in our group <laughs> chat when I said I think Cleveland has a good chance to make the conference finals, and here we are. And all I'll say is if they if they somehow knock out Boston, 
in the second round, which is not impossible that Milwaukee somehow gets to the one seed, that it will be, the SI will have to fire me because of the amount of shit I'm talking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Chris, I want to wrap up. uh, I think we have, I think to put a ball on it, I think we're both very high on the Cavs. They made a, a home run move with that Mitchell trade. He signed for two more years after this one. He seems to be happy there too. Like it's just, it's working on every level and I'm really happy for that franchise. Their games are great. The energy in the crowd every single night is awesome. So it it just is, is worked on every level and and they're going to be a force. And I think they're going to be a force for the next few years, right up there uh, with the other great teams in the East. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's get to this email. Um, this was a fun one. Hello, open floor team. My favorite basketball spotlight of the season so far is the beam. (laughs) I Google it regularly and I'm never disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I see who lights up the beam and how big the crowd is. I'm not even from Sacramento. Lately, my favorite story is how the beam (laughs) is listed as a place of worship on Google. I love reading all the reviews. Oh, wow. (laughs) My question is, has there ever been a team initiative that has captured the fan imagination like this one? Thanks, Ellie. First of all, Ellie, thank you so much for writing in. I, we love talking about the beam. Um, I, this, I'm totally beam pilled. I'm a beam fanatic. I'm a beam like evangelist. Um, every team should have a beam. Uh, can, I, I, it's a good question, though. Can you think of a team initiative that has like been as successful or memeable as the beam? Like, I can't think of one. Like, every team does the miss in the NBA. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I was gonna come for your uh, Miami Hurricanes for a minute with the turnover chain or whatever. The turnover the chain um, was sick, and then every the, uh, not only was the turnover chain sick, it was then like every single team had to have a turnover thing. So it's like 
he would make fun of the turnover chain, but then it's like, we have a turnover backpack. We have a turnover bong. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like a turnover backpack. The FSU had a turnover a backpack. It was so embarrassing. Is that really? Yeah. Oh, that's so corny. I'm so, so happy I didn't yeah. know that. So now. All, the, all the hate that was got on the turnover chain, it's like every team tried to have it, which is what made it so, so much more funny. So I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I wrote about, I, I, hell, I, I was at, I was in Milwaukee um, two days ago to watch the Bucks beat the Kings, but I've you know I've written a story even in the last two weeks that the Bucks have been my favorite team to watch this year. I really enjoy watching them. I I, I think I have a soft spot for teams that go through, um, not the teams like in re- modern you know in real time, but just historically for their fan bases that survive through uh, you know are forced to kind of live through long droughts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I wrote the book about the 90s Knicks, and I think I even said on this podcast that um, when I was looking at second projects to do, you know, naturally, you're like, okay, what can I write about that would be in the same vein? The Kings have had the most parallel history to the mm-hmm. Knicks since the 2000s, where they've had a record-long drought now of, um, you know, how long it's been since they've reached the playoffs. So I thought about that. So I, like I said, I think there's a soft spot that I have for whether it's the Kings or their fans or what have you. Um that said, I, I think the beam is amazingly cool. Are you about to? I, oh my god! Are you about to come out against the beam? Hey man, uh, again, Chris unplugged. I'm not coming out against it. I think I, I was like a little bit underwhelmed when I realized that they don't actually shoot the beam from the top of the roof. They have like some like truck or some little vehicle that has like a little projected like thing. That they sit behind the arena that shoots it into the sky. Oh, you and know, I'm like that's okay, not you know quite what? as cool I, as I the roof. I thought it was being shot up from the roof. I'm gonna be honest. I thought it was being shot I, up from the unless roof. I'm unless I just saw something was it a, a that like somebody beam? was saying rogue beam. Yeah, maybe somebody was using a laser pointer that's really damn strong uh, and just shooting it into the sky. But no, I, I like it. It very much was one of those like if you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz and it's like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain sort of thing where you think that it's like actually a wizard and it's like no it's just this dude that has some weird thing that projects his face onto a screen i was a little like blown by that i was like really like i thought it was i thought it was legit yeah. like sending something into outer space from the top <laughs> of the roof and it's like no this is actually something that's on the ground that they're shooting up with like a vehicle i was like damn uh like Put- the same way that you would feel like it would be cheapened a little bit if someone were using a 3d laser pointer to like project the Batman image into the sky or something like that. Like it's not the same. Like you got to do it from, I don't that know. Is... I, I was a little blown when I saw that, but I, I, I used the whole caveat, the whole lead up to say the Kings have been so much fun. It is a really fun kind of gimmick. And I think in particular, while I might kind of groan, if like the warriors had something like that, because like y'all win enough, mm-hmm. y'all win too much to do this. The Kings have not won too much or won enough even to really not enjoy this moment. We don't know whether they'll make the playoffs, but I feel so much genuine joy from that fan base. Even since, if you remember Summer League, where their fans were bounding out of the, <laughs> yeah. the stadium, the arena in Vegas, and talking about, we're going to win 40 games, baby. And like that's actually kind of what this feels like, is they might only get to 40, 45 wins. Um, they might just barely break 500, but that would be enough here for this fan base. It's It's a flawed team. Let them enjoy this. That's why I had the, the huge caveat with what I was saying. Like, I was a little disappointed when I found out what that was, but it's so much fun. Like, 
I'm not going to – I don't really care. I just want to see them have fun and enjoy themselves. Wow, okay. I was not expecting a Beam Truther segment. Um, <laughs> the truth behind the Beam. Um, you won't believe what this reporter found out about the Beam. One <laughs> um, <laughs> of those BuzzFeed yep, yep. articles or yeah. <laughs> uh, one of those things you see at the bottom of a, a yeah, web page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God. This outbrain. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um <laughs> I can't think of another team initiative that's been as fun as the beam. It's like way cooler than like miss these free throws and you get free chicken nuggets or whatever. Um, I'm just glad that like they're embracing it. They're having fun with it. We need more of this in sports. Um, like just, it's a game. Like let's have some fun. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that they're having fun. I also want to call you out because you mentioned how you covered this Bucks game and you sent the most infuriating tweet of all time. And I'm glad that you were called out on it in the group chat. Cause you were like, you were like, you were like Mike Brown just told the most incredible story. And I'm going to let the bucks and Kings writers tweet it out. And then no one shared it. <laughs> no one. Yeah. And we were like, bro. And I'm wondering if you could actually tell that story real quick on the pod. Cause it is funny. Yeah. So I'm, like a 10, 15 second explanation <laughs> first, like laying out the context of why I was like, I'm not going to tweet this out. When I was on the Knicks beat, it's annoying when shocker. It's the, annoying when national guys parachute in and steal all the stuff. I agree. Oh my god! Yes, and not even just national guys. When I was on the Knicks beat and kind of the new guy on the block with that beat, I worked for a newspaper that didn't like that. Our deadlines were a lot earlier, and we didn't have the same pressure to like report news. And I'm using news in air quotes that the tabloids uh -huh. did. And so in particular, if you were going to write a story, if you were going to tweet something that you didn't, you weren't going to gain much from tweeting it, but you just wanted to tweet it to like be the first one to tweet it. The tabloid guys would get furious with you, like would get furious at you because they were like, yo, I could have written a whole story mm. about that. And it could have held until our Sunday edition, That's which funny. I could get this done earlier. Now I've got to come up with a whole different story mm. or just, come up with a bs sort of uh -huh. storyline that doesn't matter i could have had this really fun angle so that i'm i'm like, i I'm, almost have ptsd yes, from that i will say i'm um, all for respecting the beat writers i know how you mean we're very fortunate in our jobs that we you know teams open up their doors for us and i try to be very cognizant of the fact that you don't want to trample over the beat reporters who have a much more difficult job than you and i have Particularly when you're parachuting in, which I haven't, you know, I had not been to a Bucks game since their title run, uh, since the finals in, in 2021. So I hadn't been there in a while. And, you know, it was, you, you don't want to, there are whole people that like I haven't met that are on that beat now that you don't want to just steal their thunder. Mm. It was a really fun anecdote. So to explain it for you, um, Mike Brown, the Kings coach, and Mike Budenholzer both coached in San Antonio as assistants. Under Greg Popovich, uh, you know, they were very low level uh, early on where they they both were kind of in the film room and uh, were essentially film coordinators and video coordinators uh, before they became full-fledged assistants that sat on the mm -hmm. bench and everything. And so that is a, you know, it's kind of a hard knock life when you're in that mm -hmm. role um, because you're watching so much film, you're taking notes on so many things, you're not even having direct communication with your top boss in that case, Greg Popovich, you're, you're largely just kind of, you know, filing reports for mm -hmm. them. Uh, and so that was kind of what it was. And um, you, you don't really get to see the light of day because yeah. you're spending so much time just cramming, watching game after game after game, trying to pick up tendencies and whatnot. So because of that, uh, when they did get to go to games and stuff like that, 
they were spending so much time before, or after, during games trying to log tendencies that um, they would stay late. They didn't get to eat dinner at a normal hour. And they were also broke because those guys certainly at the time were not getting paid very mm -hmm. well. So they would give them like discount cards or free meals at, uh, you know, local chain restaurants, including one called Dick's Last Resort, which is a super like apologies if this is your favorite place for the podcast listeners. It's a pretty trashy sort of place. <laughs> uh, like literally, I was looking up Dick's Last Resort, I think, on Wikipedia just to I was like, you know, Something about it was really funny because I've stepped in one before and I think ordered to go. And I was like, holy hell, this is trashy. Um, and that is literally their MO is that I think they initially founded it and it was meant to be like this upscale place, but it was so upscale that no one wanted to eat there. It was like that awkward in between, like it's upscale, but it's not so upscale <laughs> that you'd want to have a really good meal there. So they kind of tore it all down, re rebranded it and just made it as trashy as possible. And um, but the funniest thing about it was that Mike Brown would get these discount cards uh, from the staff, or I'm sorry, Mike Budenholzer would, uh, and Mike Brown would like sometimes take longer to file his video reports and his film reports, and he would be like, "Hey, Mike, wait for me, like don't leave because I, you're my literally my meal yeah. ticket, so like don't leave before I get a chance to come get something to eat too." So they would bond that way because they would sit and talk <laughs> about life, about the game at Dick's Last Resort, and the, the kind of the you know, the cherry on top of the story was that Mike Brown's like, as a matter of fact, Mike met, you know, Bud met his first wife there. Uh, <laughs> she was waitressing at Dick's Last Resort. And I, for some reason, you know, and again, apologies to everybody is not a shot at, at Mike Budenholzer's first wife or anything else. <laughs> Something about the fact that he met his first wife waitressing there at a place that, like I said, is kind of like, to me, a little trashy, like a little bit, you know, it's not the first place you think of. When you think about places that you know a romance just buds uh no pun intended um but it's some reason that was really funny to me and then mike brown felt the need to be like hey you know i i i, I have a former wife too like it's not me trying to say that that's why the relationship <laughs> didn't last or anything like that like it was so funny but also just you it made me so appreciative of like being back in milwaukee and happening to be there that night mm -hmm. because you miss so many little stories like that being in the locker rooms, mm. having face-to-face -face communication with the coaches and the players. And like I said, that's the first time I've been back in Milwaukee. So it was just such a fun story. And, um, you know, it, it just uh, the Kings are a fun yeah. team. And I think Mike Brown's a fun – like, he's very serious, but he has a fun side. He's, to him he's, so it was very fun he's about his business, but is keeping things in perspective and doing a great job yes, with that team. 100%. Shout out to Dick's Last Resort. Um, I guess you will. If I were you, I would not be eating there anytime soon. Um, you don't know what they're gonna do to your food. I'm just assuming they all listen to this podcast. Uh, hey man, that, don't be mad at me. Be mad at Wikipedia that literally says that was how why y'all were basically founded the way y'all were founded. It's not my fault. I'm just telling the truth. Um, on that note, that will do it for today's episode of Open Floor. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Uh, please keep your emails coming, openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back with you guys next week. Until then, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. I'm 
Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.